If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's Radio Spätkauf, the Berlin podcast. We talk about Berlin. My name is Joel. And I'm Maisie. And on tonight's show, we're going to be dissecting Klaus Vorbereit. Literally. Uh, well, I was going to say I wish, but that's a bit macabre, isn't it? No, I don't wish. Not, not literally, politically uh, and, and, and journalistically, we'll be analyzing the former mayor, well, the soon-to-be former mayor's legacy, and asking, what did he ever do for Berlin? Indeed. We'll also have some short news, updates on traffic reports around the city, uh, including a cyclist who s- t- took one back against the, <laughs> the drivers by stabbing a driver in the back. A bit extreme. You'll hear about why he did that later on. Uh, but first, we've got some short news. Yes. Joel, uh, the, the heat seems to ease have eased off a little bit lately, doesn't it? It has. It's dropped a tiny bit. Yes. It's the end of summer. I think we could say, I hate saying that because it's so final. It but is But we've final. actually had a very hot summer this year. <laughs> you <laughs> might do. not realise it. You may not realise it. It's been one of the hottest, the warmest and driest Bundesland this summer, Berlin. I, I find um, this funny because... You know, we all complain about the weather here, and and I don't really hear many people saying it's been the best summer. I mean, it's no, been okay. I didn't even notice it. I have yeah. to say, I know it's a bit of heat, but well, you got it. We had it here better than anybody else in all of Germany. Wow. So stop complaining. It was an average of eighteen point eight degrees um, here this summer in Berlin, whereas nationally the average was seventeen point two. Yeah. And here we had one hundred and sixty-two liters of rain, whereas uh, nationally they had two hundred and seventy-two liters of rain. I thought it was pretty wet here. Wow. We had we got it off we got off easy yeah so s- stop whinging well it's normally the the Münchners are always complaining about um, how the weather here is rubbish the ones who come and live here people from Munich but they can stop now can't they <laughs> well they can just <laughs> I was going to say go back to where they came from but then I found like I sound like one of those xenophobes no, don't, don't I don't do that I sound like those, those, those defensive Berliners they might tell you to do the same I did I did meet a, a Münchner the other day who uh, he was a nice Münchner I must really? say but I like the Bavarians after we got to know each other a little bit he expressed to me said. Joel, I don't understand why everyone likes Kreuzberg so much. It's so full of dog shit. I said, that's right. Go back and tell them all. <laughs> well, I'd say that about Friedrichshain, actually. That's the dog shit capital of Berlin. I'm, I, excuse me. Neukölln is clearly the dog shit capital no, of Berlin. No, no. Friedrichshain, Friedrichshain wins hands down. Dear, dear Radio Spate Cup listeners, please help yeah. us settle this. Which which district has the more <laughs> hund, hundkacke exactly. per, per square foot? Kotze, so they call it. Hundkotze as, as well. Like dog vomit. <laughs> nice, isn't it? I Vomiting out of their backsides. Oh. Anyway, I have to stop. Sorry. I'll drink that one back up. Uh, yes, speaking of uh, Berlin, because that's what we talk about most of the time, uh, the Berlin Wall. Um, Berlin Wall, it's the 25th anniversary of the Wall this year. They're putting up balloons all over the place. Yes, and once again... Uh, Berlin Wall is under threat, or part of the Berlin Wall is under threat. Not not the same bit they were trying to tear down last year, I hope. No, it's another bit, but it's not far off from there. It's quite close to the uh, strip of Berlin Wall, the longest strip remaining, which is the East Side Gallery, which runs along the Strahlau Allee, am I right? Yes. Um, it's another bit, and it runs between the Schillingbrücke and the Michaelisbrücke. Mich- which is um, very close to the Radialsystem. Radialsystem 5, and it goes past the old uh, Club uh, Bar 25 and the new Bar yes. 25, whatever that's yeah. called. So it's that yeah. side of the river. Um, and 
uh, part of the Berlin Wall, this is basically the remains of part of what's called the Hinterland Mauer, which was the first wall that the East Germans would have encountered. They wanted to escape East Germany. That's basically was in front of the Death Strip. Um, and there's also parts of um, some boats. Um, there's also parts of uh, the, bo the border, the fence that was used. So it's quite historic stuff. It's stuff that would probably actually be in a museum, but it's on its original site. Um, and they want to, the, 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 the city government wants to build a public path in that area, 10 to 20 metres wide, which means it would ruin that entire area. Uh, and it would take, a w you'd have to remove these things, which were in their orig original site. And an artist has kind of wanted to focus or draw attention to it, a man called Eberhard um, Eh. Ehard, I can't get his name pronounced right. Um, he's doing kind of he has an art installation thing going on there that's trying to draw attention to what's happening. Saying that's, that's a hard we can't one keep taking the wall away from its original site or, or anything relating to it. Don't know if you've been up to the Benauerstrasse Memorial. They've fixed it up. The Gedenkstätte, yeah, but it's quite strange because I I take tours there and I take my tourists there and they're always asking why it's all stacked up like this. Yeah, and they go that's because they couldn't get rid of it quickly enough when the wall came down and now. They're repenting at leisure. They're basically trying to kind of put things back as they were because people come here and say, where was the wall? That's the first question anyone asks. Yep. Where's the wall? I agree with that. Yep. But uh, this is now a question of a park, a public park versus a bit yeah, of the old Yeah, and a cycle path, Joel. So yeah, I don't know which, I'm not sure But which a road as well. And bear in mind, they're selling it as that. But next mm -hmm. thing you know, there'll be some luxury flats there as well. Mm -hmm. You know, so where does the buck stop? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the thing. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it's interesting in, in the history, you know, in the anniversary of the wall. This I'm, I'm, I'm trying to mentally even place where this could be. I'm going to have to go for another bike ride down there and, yeah, and, and, and take suss some it out. Because I can't even picture where this part of the wall might be. It seems like that whole area is sort of accounted for. I no, can't imagine it's not. where it's. So, Gamer's back, Maisie. Yes, our favourites. And this time, they want to kill off Fête de la Musique. Yay! Oh, don't be so happy. Some people oh. like it. Yeah. Fête de la Musique is that big event that happens on June 21 every year in Berlin and other cities, or so the posters tell us. There's 110 different locations across the city that get basically free concerts, outdoor concerts, uh, and 100,000 people go out and watch this um, this particular event. Um, I, like you, Maisie, I'm not the biggest fan of Fête de la Musique. I, it's kind of a bit of an excuse for bad music and on the streets. And what, What's your opinion of it? I'm not a big fan because, as you know, Joel, you know how I feel about busking. Let's not get into that. <laughs> I'm not a fan of having other people's music inflicted on me. Let's put it like that. I'm the victim elder of, of public performance. I don't like it. Well, then perhaps you'll be happy that GEMA, GEMA being the uh, evil association that uh, rep that collects money and distributes it uh, reportedly to musicians, but actually it just goes to a small handful of rich old Schlager musicians, basically. Um, Gamer has decided to reclassify Fête de la Musique. It's no longer calling it a... Uh, it wants to call it a concert rather than a Stadtfest because there's a difference in the classification. Now, Stadtfest translates directly as city festival. I can't mm. think of anything... Uh, if, I mean, if Fête de la Musique sounds to me like it would be the uh, you know prototypical Stadtfest if ever there was one. Yes. But Gamer's found a way to reclassify this as, um, as a concert and doing so, it's pushed the bill up um, by tw uh, to 20 grand. Wow. Now, Fête de la Musique, the organizers say this is going to consume some 20% of the whole event's total budget because, of course, Fête de la Musique's free. The Where's the money going? Well, the money goes, I guess, I don't know, organization, hiring sound systems, okay. and now to Gamer, mostly to Gamer. Um, 
So the city government, which gives a lot of the money, says it's got nothing left, uh, and so it's not going to give any money, more money to Fetula Music. And it's now going to be up to the Lotto Stiftung, um, which is you know the, the, the gambling lotto system. They, they have a Stiftung that they use their money to give to, to artistic pursuits and other charities. And on September 23, the Lotto Stiftung has to decide whether it's going to cough up extra money. And if it doesn't, then uh, Fetula Music says it will not return next year. Oh. Um, so this seems to be a case of uh, Gamer trying to take money from the public to give it to a small handful of musicians. What I find strange about all of this is that the musicians who are playing at Fetula Music probably would never get any money from Gamer. No. Because they would be either not registered yet, or even if they were registered, they don't get any airplay um, on commercial stations, so they don't qualify for Gamer's funding distributions, or they don't get any airplay in um, any mainstream locations. So it's taking money from the city, shutting down an event where local and small bands actually have a chance to play and giving it to a foundation that distributes to to rich and established musicians. It Mm. seems very backward to me. Yes. I'm against it. I'm actually against what they're doing, but I will not mourn the demise (laughs) of the Fête de la Musique, but it's a shame because it it will potentially affect other music festivals. Oh, well, Game is cracking down on everyone, I'm sure. They want, they want as much money. How do they money. get away with it? That's what How I do they know. get away? I don't understand either. It's, just, it's, it's like, a bit like the TV tax. Exactly. There seems to be all these bodies in Germany that somehow got legislated power to just, to just charge anybody anything yep. and no one can do anything about just it. Just do what they like. Hmm. Yeah. New 10 euro notes are going to hit the streets, not just of Berlin. Well, actually, literally hit the streets. Well, if you drop them. <laughs> yeah. On September 23, uh, the the mints of Europe will be pumping out new 10 euro bills, um, crisp ones. I don't, and th- I guess you'll notice them because you'll suddenly get handed a p- piece of change and think you've been ripped off. But just to let you know, don't worry, that actually is an official note. Right. Unless it's not, and somebody's just taking advantage of the date to hand out f- uh, fakes, which would be very very clever. If yeah. you happen to be intending to do any forgery, I su- suggest you uh, hurry along and get them out on September 23. Right. Uh, it would be pretty easy to trick someone with a fake note to tell them it's a real one. I remember when they changed the fives, there was lots of confusion a few months really? ago. Everyone wondering, were these things real? And I have a friend who uh, worked at the door of a nightclub and got handed a fake 20 once and didn't even notice because apparently you can you know, do that pretty easily in dark-like conditions. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Nutella, Joel. Nutella, this, this is a f- uh, one that every German should listen to. The price of Nutella is going to go up dramatically, <gasps> and I predict there will be riots in Aldi. Really? This could be the start of a revolution. You reckon? This could be what tips complacent Germany over the edge and turns it into an angry country that you know rips Europe apart by the seams. Really? The price of Nutella. Wutburger, yeah. So I noticed this in the financial pages of the paper. The price of hazelnuts has yeah. gone up by 60%. That's quite a big jump. It's a huge jump. It's something like from 4,800 euros per tonne to 7,850. Wow. Now, this is because frost and bad weather in Turkey destroyed the crop of, um, of hazelnuts there. And no. Turkey produces 70% of the world's hazelnuts, which is quite amazing. Wow. Also amazing is that Ferrero, the company that makes Nutella, buys 25% of the world's hazelnuts. You know, you know what this also means? 
No. It means that Ferrero Rocher are going to go up in price. Is that going to upset? they have a Nutella filling. They do. I'll talk about product placement. It will be very upsetting for the English because we like Ferrero Rocher. So English will be upset. Yeah. Uh, the, about the Germans will be upset about Nutella. Nutella. We, we, drink, we eat less of that in Britain. I wonder, well, nude Aussie must go up too. That's good Nutella. But nude Aussie is probably made with like synthetic <laughs> hazelnuts being an East German variant of, of Nutella. You know what? I like nude Aussie better. Yeah, it's only because it's East German and has a yes. communist past, Joel. That's right, exactly why. Uh, so <laughs> the, if I were you, uh, dear listener, I would race out and stockpile Nutella while the price is still low. What, like gold? <laughs> yes, it's going to be, you could you could hock that jar. It's going to go off at some for point, 60, well, If the price, if the wholesale, wholesale price has gone up 60%. We can speculate with Nutella. Yeah, you could. You could physically speculate with Nutella. And, and... Uh, I can see a greater career ahead of you, Joel. It's like a massive pile. And soon your your brunch cafes that you all go off to every Sunday, they're not going to have Nutella on the table anymore. It'll just be it'll just be jam, jam and and cheese instead of outrage. It is basically like butter, but chocolate butter, isn't it? It is chocolate butter. Yeah. All right, we better listen to some music. The first track comes from CK. They are an Australian band. There is a local connection, however. The singer from CK, Alex Cameron, was a summer resident of Berlin, um, and I saw him play a couple of shows. He did this whole kind of character thing where he uh, like dressed up like an old man, uh, an old lounge singer on the comeback trail. We played a track here on Radio Spätkauf. We got great Fantastic. feedback from it's our listeners. Song. Well, at least we got great feedback from Maisie. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, so, so this time Alex Cameron's coming back with his whole band, CK, um, and here's a song of theirs. This is called Another, and it's from the album The Worry. You can hear them on October 30 at Berghain Cantina. Spätkauf, I'm Maisie. I'm Joel. Wolverite, Joel. Volvi. Wowie. Wowie. On August 26, Klaus Wolverite, the reigning mayor of Berlin, as he's called, announced that he is going to resign from his office on December 11, 14 years after he took the top job. He's now 60. He's been in politics for 30 years, starting off as a councillor in Tempelhof and then moving his way up to the mayor. And he became famous worldwide when he uh, made his acceptance speech at the SPD party conference where he announced, Ich bin schul und das ist auch gut so. Uh, which roughly translates as, I'm gay and so I should be. Well, that's okay. And that's okay. Um, and from that moment on, he became a, a, a figure of the city and he, he made lots of interesting statements like, like uh, Arm, and Arm Aber Sexy was one of his, of Poor course. Sexy. Poor but Sexy. Poor Sexy. Um, and uh, and of course, uh, right up until uh, August 27, 26, um, we were hearing his name everywhere, not only in Berlin, but all over Germany. He was a bit of a celebrity. And in fact, that was one of the main things he really was, a celebrity. Um, so now he's announced his resignation. We're going to take a little bit of time to talk about Wolverite, what he did. Um, and how he'll be remembered, and uh, what 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 his how how is how the city is after his his time in office. Yeah. 
Um, so it's it's he's of course the the head of the SPD, which was you know the Social Democrats Party. Yes. Um, but th- the policies that he pursued while in office, you probably wouldn't guess that he was from that party. Although that party itself, of course, is you know kind of bland its entire policies in general. But um, what I quite liked was the bed said had a um, had a an editorial in in the paper the day that he resigned where they, they it was a pretty harsh uh, review of, of his time in office but something that the bed said said which i thought was quite good was he said uh, never has an spd man overseen such a conservative agenda and he was a great president except that this role doesn't exist and that last one to me is i, th- I think that's really accurate because it seems like a lot of what Volverite did was just to sort of be there and to um, to you know talk in front and look look good and you know represent the city, but in actually what what he personally instituted and what he personally did in the city isn't quite as clear. There were a lot of changes in the city in the last couple of years, and they were attributed to Volverite's regime. But in, in effect, it, it's not really clear that he actually had his hand on it in any of the policies that were enacted. But I, of course, we've talked a lot about these policies on Radio Spatekaufer. We're not a big fan of them. Mm. Shall we delve into them? Yes, I think we can, Joel. So the most, um, the biggest one, of course, is that um, as soon as he took office, um, or shortly after, the city started selling off a lot of public housing. Um, so the city used to own a huge amount of public housing, particularly in the east, um, which served as a low-cost way for its residents to exist. Um, and under Volverite, the city sold off vast troves of these um, public houses to to private um, owners and and mostly to um, hedge funds in the u.s actually one of the biggest buyers the result of this was that the city um, was able to lower its debt slightly but in effect when when volvite started as mayor the city had a debt of 43 billion today he's leaving the city with a debt of 63 billion so basically the debt of the city has gone up despite uh, this uh, his government selling off a lot of public housing. So the city hasn't benefited financially from the sell-off. The only thing that's happened is that the citizens who live in these public houses now have to suffer higher rents because they've got private owners instead of uh, public owners and they jack the prices up. Berlin now has a public um, debt of 22,000 um, euros per person, which is as high as Detroit. Um, in the US, cities can go bankrupt. In Germany, they can't. So um, city Berlin trundles on despite its debt but in in effect this 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 one sort of signature policy of overwrite selling off public housing didn't do anything to help the city and in fact just left a lot of people in uncontrolled rent um i think one of the problems with what uh, Volverite, you have to also bear in mind that he came into power in 2001. I was here as a student, and I think I may have even voted for him. Uh, and he was seen as a bit of a saviour at the time. Um, and he had a coalition with the PDS, which were the party, uh, formerly the SED, the Socialist Unity Party of East Germany. Uh, and Die it Linke. but they became Die Linke at a later stage. But they were PDS, the Party of Democratic Socialism. And he formed a coalition with them. And it was considered a very brave move at the time. And it was probably strategic because it was a way of getting support from the you know, significant number of East Germans who would still vote for the PDS. Um, but it was quite brave. And they were considered a very left-wing coalition. Um, and at the time, the city was very, very bankrupt. Uh, we're saying actually now that the debt's gone up. It has. Um, but at the time, I think they were just basically looking for whatever they could, which is including land, which at the time was sold off, uh, well, not long after, by the Liegenschaftsfond, the state kind of estate real estate company. Uh, and they were basically just looking at whatever they could. It's like people having a, a jumble sale, basically. Look at what you've got in your garage and get rid of it. And unfortunately, with the public housing and probably the Liegenschaftsfonds selling um, uh, land off ver- a very, very cheap price, 
because uh, in, th in those days, having 2000, no one wanted to buy anything in Berlin, I have to say. It basically attracted speculators and they were selling these things off at a very, very low price and not thinking things might increase here. Uh, maybe it's better if we hold on to them, if we speculate ourselves, hold on to the land or the housing. It was very short-sighted and that's one, one criticism I would level at, at Wolverite is not thinking ahead, uh, you know, throwing out the baby with the bathwater a bit. Well, some would argue actually that this the, the, the current state of Berlin where we've got rising prices for rents and, and properties is exactly what he wanted. He has made statements in the past where he said things like he wants Berlin to be the new Paris and he thinks that the price of housing should go up even more. Ah, but he has also said, he also did say in 2013 that he wanted a cap introduced on rents. No, 2011, sorry, he said that. Well, it kind of doesn't matter what you say, it matters what you do. Yes. And that's been a big problem with, with what we've seen in Berlin politics is it no matter what's said, it's, it matters what happens on the ground. And when you sell off thousands and thousands of public apart apartments, when you sell off huge tracts of empty land, the end result is that the house prices rise because it goes from, from public control to the private to the open market where, where there's no control. Now, in the last year, the city government did actually bring in a slight control on rent. They said that you can no longer raise rents um, you can only raise rents by 15% over three years instead of 20% over three years. So that's the most minor thing they've done to actually uh, try and alleviate the pain of Berlin residents who are having to move out of their apartments because the rents are going up. So uh, in a lot of these things, it doesn't really matter what's, what's been said. It matters what happens. So another of um, Volvo's big policies was basically um, the planning policy um, around the city and you know development of the city. And the end effect of this is sort of an erase the east type effect where you've got the kind of erasure of whatever we used to see as part of being you know interesting about the east of Berlin. Um, it's all being replaced and you know concreted over so that when people come here, as we said before in our last talk break, we, we said people come here and they ask, where's the wall? Well, under Volvoite's watch, the wall disappeared um, big time, particularly along the east side gallery. They just, you know, carried bits of it away. And it wasn't until the, the citizens came out to protest that they um, decided to at least, you know, slow that process. So under Volvoite, um, you know, he wanted to make the city the new Paris. It was his um, government that invited the creative generation to come here, basically as a sort of foot soldiers of, of rent increases. Um, and so th th these these are the, the questions could have these, these things have been done better and they, I think they could have they could have been done in a way where you could preserve what's interesting about the city you could bring industry here and give people jobs without the having to have them you know uh, have, have, have their apartment prices rise under, underneath them and make life unaffordable um, so that's that's his housing policy mm. he's also been the head of the city government um, of course at the time of one of the city's biggest disasters which is BER Berlin Airport, the, the airport. New Berlin Brandenburg Airport. So, as the city mayor, he also was on the board, the head of the board of the airport um, development body, which was set up as a public body. So it was his job to oversee the whole thing. Um, and it seems like if he went to any meetings, he wasn't listening because, of course, the whole debacle unfolded right under his watch. And well, he's also been accused of staffing uh, the board uh, with basically people who are his friends rather than, so it's cronyism, rather than actually getting in people who are qualified for the job. And that's one of the criticisms that's been levelled at him several times uh, of his management of the BER. Uh, project and the end result of that is that the airport has been what delayed how many times uh, four times and is now how much over budget um i think it's now they're saying it's about uh it six billion it was predicted six billion but it's going to cost them four billion more than budgeted so, so yeah it's, it's got a basically six billion euro extra 
And and uh, so th- th- that we can move on now to his next signature um, project. Or th- was one was going to be a signature project, which is the redevelopment of Tempelhof, the other Your empty air old airport. Yeah. Um, uh, the city government announced it wanted to use this new empty airport uh, green space to build um, apartments and to build um, to build uh, offices. It claimed a lot of them would be social housing, but if you looked at the details, they weren't social housing at all. Um, and and this was sort of pushed through with, with very little consultation of the public. The public reacted negatively and forced a referendum. The posters uh, that were put up on the streets against um, against the government's plan they even used Wolverite as their signature, as 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 basically their poster boy, as a threat with a with a slogan: "Would you trust this man with an airport?" So his his management of the of the of the BER went so bad that you know it turned into his face being sort of a equivalent of a disaster of public management of, of a process so that that's that's a pretty um that's a pretty big fall i think that's been a major contribution to his downfall to be honest uh, because his popularity was at 40 percent in 2001 when he was elected it's dropped down now to minus one however you measure someone's popularity it's not bad but less than w- w- one one dead person <laughs> one, likes one, him yeah, exactly. like someone who voted yes just like died yeah. the minute after <laughs> how, do you, <laughs> how do you get a negative one exactly so he, he is quite unpopular um uh, although I, I kind mm. of, you know, when when he resigned and he was making his farewell speeches, I kind of felt sorry for being so cu- harsh on him a little bit because I don't know he's, he did he did overcome a lot to get where he was. I well, mean, I it, also think that he took on a city which is most people wouldn't, even, you know, if you and probably the most left wing politician might have been able to deal with Berlin in two thousand two thousand and one, uh, but he took on this kind of mammoth uh, kind of potential disaster and i think he did in some ways he tried his best uh, to get berlin up and running and as a, as a kind of a, a city with something going for it rather than just this wasteland that it was what i'd have to say when i got here which has of course its advantages because everything's dirt cheap but when i first came here berlin was it felt like in 2001 no one wanted to live here uh, it was a miserable half empty city there was no you know there was another kind of vibrancy that you have now well, um, all, all the old punks talk about it as the golden days. Yeah, but it wasn't because it was basically, it felt, still felt like half you were living off in the GDR. Um, you know, everyone seemed miserable most of the time. Um, I mean, you know, there, there were lots of good things. There were lots more parties and all the kind of stuff that punks will rave about. Or whatever, you know, everything being more free and it not being about making money. But at the same time, it was a much more hostile place to come to as a tourist. Um, you know, I didn't feel like they were welcoming people with open arms when you came here. It was more like indifference. And I think Wolverine has tried to make... Berlin, unfortunately, it's involved it being kind of hyper, you know, capitalism as well, but also trying to make it more friendly, more weltoffen. And I think he has done quite a good job of that uh, in a way. I, I think it could have been tourism's d- booming. It's even though he's got rid of half of the Berlin Wall. I, th- I think it could have been. I think he, I think he could have done it, uh, done it differently uh, if it if it if he'd been a little bit more involved. I mean, but I did feel bad because when I saw you know he he did uh, to, to get to that position as an openly gay man, even though this was a very liberal city, it's still a big deal. Well, he in, did in that say time. that he came out after his election campaign or just before his election campaign because the press was getting there anyway. That's yeah. his own words. He said That's they true. were finding it out anyway, and I thought I might as well do it before they yep. outed me. Um, and also, it's in a very gay city, so it probably. Yeah, I mean, have you done it in in you know, 
Moscow, sure. it might have been a different story. It still it still takes guts yeah. to stand up there and, and say that kind of stuff. So now Wolverite's um, on the way out. He's got till uh, December 11. Uh, and uh, w- the last thing that was going to be, you know, on his legacy was was organizing the Olympics or at least bidding for the Olympics, which, you know, I'm against. So I won't get into that. Yeah. But I, I did notice, and this is very funny, that two days before he resigned, he came out in the paper and said that there should be a referendum in Berlin about whether we should host the Olympics. Well, that's not a bad idea. I think it's a fantastic idea. Let the people Great. decide. So now you're pro Volvi, are now you? Now I'm pro Volvi. And I was at, at the time, I was like, why is he saying this? Yeah. I was really curious. Why would Volverite promote a referendum now? And then, bam, two days later, he resigned. Yeah, so obviously, he was, he's got nothing to lose. And he he's wants just, to vote. <laughs> he, he wants to make sure that if it does happen, he's not going to get um, the blame for it again. And if he, yeah. he might at least get some small credit for giving the people the choice about it. Yeah, you he'll know? get some nice freebies as well from the Olympic organizers, if, should it go through. In fact, I think that <laughs> might be one of, I think there'll be a job open, won't there? Probably. Be for, the, for the Olympic coordination yeah, committee. Yeah, I don't think they'll be getting on that board for somehow. <laughs> I'll tell you one reason why not is because he apparently gave an interview where he said his uh, preferred uh, job post uh, mayoralty is to be a talk show host. Wow. And I thought that might go nicely since he kind of looks like um, a twin of um, of uh, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, yeah. Don't you think he looks like Alec Baldwin? A bit, yeah. I think I think I look at the, every photo I see of him. I just can't help but seeing Alec Baldwin in the in that his Thirty Rock kind of you know okay. suit and and tie. Yeah. And Alec Baldwin had a talk show. So um, what's going to happen next for Berlin? Well, the next election is two years away. So in between, according to the uh, city laws, or I'm not sure which laws, but the the party can nominate its own um, its own replacement. Right. The Greens are calling for a new election. Okay. They think we need a new election. Well, there was some some uh, the last election, uh, Renata Kunast, uh, the lady, the Green Party candidate, had a very strong running, uh, and everyone was convinced she was going to become mayor. That's true. She didn't. Well, we, we got back with. She Wolver, might have right? a second chance. She might, except I think uh, she's not even in charge of the uh, city greens. I think it's Ramona Pop now as the greens, nice the leader name. of the greens, yeah. in in the city government. But the 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 people who may lead the city. There's three candidates. There's Jan Stoss, who is um, a party apparatchik. He's high up in the SPD on a, on a yep. Berlin Brandenburg level. Um, there's Michael Müller, who's the current um, Entwicklung Senator, the the development senator. He was the guy who he was actually the head of the Tempelhof um, project, not Wolverite. Wolverite was just the mayor. I can't see how Michael Müller's got a chance at all. He's just as stained by Tempelhof as Wolverite was. Um, and then the third guy is Rayad Salah, who's an SPD politician in Parliament, and he was actually born in Palestine. And so he's coming forward as the kind of, um, you know, minority candidate with the good story that might, you know... That'll get the left-wing vote. That'll get your old... uh yeah, Antifa will be voting for him. Well, He's I was pro-Palestine. Thi- I was thinking that. I thought, well, it wouldn't be great to have someone who's got this story, you know, Palestine. But then there's this danger, and it's the same danger that, yeah. that you fall into with 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 Wolverine himself, mm. where you're picking a candidate based on the concept of him as a can- as a mayor yeah. rather than his what actual his policies, yeah. yeah, or like what he's actually going to yeah. do to the city. I Which don't care good. where you're born. Personality politics. Yeah, and it, there's less of that in Germany and more of it in England. So I'd be glad if it stayed that way. Yeah. There's less of it here. Uh, well, if, if Ryan Seller gets over the line, I hope it's not just because he's Palestinian, um, but because he's got some better policies than the other blokes. Mm. Well, that's enough about Mordorite. Um, his, his office ends on December 11. Um, and, you know, uh, enjoy your retirement, Volvi. Yeah, ciao. Tschüssi. Radio. With Maisie, Joel, Radio. and Andrew.
was former resident, Berlin resident, Antoni Maiovi uh, and his track The War of Self-Defence from his new album. It's a fantastic album, I highly recommend buying it. It's on Bandcamp. He performs here regularly uh, uh, at Hot Pony events, which are run by a, a friend of mine called Timmy Lee, uh, who's also a musician. Uh, oh, it's amazing. Uh, but Antoni Maiovi, yeah, he's got a lot of connections with Berlin. Um, and I want to see him sell lots of records because he's very talented. Well, you're doing a good job of plugging I know, him. I know. If he doesn't sell after this, uh, yeah, how could he ever? I know. Uh, the Stadschloss uh, is going up faster than anything I've ever seen in the middle of Berlin. It's a huge building right on Museum Insel, right across from the old Schlossplatz. Certainly is on the Schlotzplatz, which should have been left as a big open park, if you ask me. Uh, but nobody did ask, did ask me, so they went ahead and built it anyway. I think, Joel, you should be appointed the head of city planning here. I think I should be appointed the head of city winning. You could replace Ina Lutter, or whatever her name is, the, Aust- the um, Swiss woman. I can just sit there and tell them why their decisions are bad afterwards. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't get anything. They'd get nothing done. It'd be total deadlock. There would be no, nothing moving anywhere. Would, and wouldn't Berlin be better off if, if we just left it, it all for a little while? Gramps. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't like the stage loss, but and you know who else doesn't oh, like the really stage? <laughs> you know who else doesn't like it? Wolverite. Well, or not him, but oh. somebody in his government has also decided that they don't like the stage loss either. Oh, too late! It's almost finished. But the almost <laughs> finished. It's almost finished. No. To- have you been there recently? Those yeah. walls are—they've reached the top, and all and all it needs. Is it prefabricated? Are they totally basically constructing this whole thing and then attaching faux, uh, kind of nineteenth-century or whatever it is, eighteenth-century walls yeah. to big blocks of concrete? Yeah. So it's a proper. It's almost like a GDR job. It's lot things entering into place. So it's easy to d- demolish then. Well, at least it can be easily taken down. That's true. Yeah. Well, now, now you describe it as a D- G- GDR job. I kind of like it more. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's 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 almost done. Except the city government uh, at this very last stage has announced that it wants to pull out of the project. So what? <laughs> yeah, well, w- th- th- this is explainable because it was never actually a city government project to begin with. Right. It was a project um, of some obscure uh, group that has pro Schloss, whatever they a were pro Schloss yeah. foundation of old rich yeah. men from East Germany who had a lot of influence in government and managed to convince the um, the federal government to back the project. It's going to cost five hundred ninety million. Wow! Um, and of that, uh, the city government was only required to put in something like thirty two million, and the rest was going to come supposedly from donations. The donations didn't materialize, so the um, the national government had to step in and and, wow. and back the rest of this. I bet the Bavarians are happy about that. Yeah, well, it was, pro- was the plan all along, wasn't yeah. it? You know, pretend that it was going to be donations, but they weren't really going to come. So uh, at this late stage, the city government has announced, oh, actually, uh, can we please have our money back? <laughs> we don't want to give you 32 Fantastic. million. Yeah. Uh, they, the city has, uh, has said that it doesn't want to use the floor space that it was allocated in this massive white elephant project. The city government was supposed to get 5,000 square meters of the 24,000 square meters of the whole thing. Yeah. And it was going to use this for a library but now it says it can use that money uh, to build a better library somewhere else, and it's just pulling out, and it's going to leave the its floor empty. Wow! So there's, a <laughs> if anyone needs five thousand square meters of space in the centre oh, of Berlin, I can imagine lots of people do, would like that. Well, I can't imagine anyone's willing to pay for it. Um, so in case you're wondering what the rest of the building is going to be used for, there's uh, 11,000 square meters um, for the uh, Museum of the uh, Asian Art 
Museum de um, Orientals Kunst, uh, as well as some of the museums from out at Dalam, they're moving in there. The Humboldt University is going to use a little bit of it as well. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Hardly anything. Thousand square meters, um, which is nothing, com- you know, compared to the, to what the about size of the building. Some accommodation. They could put some, create some housing for some students in there. They could do an nice. amazing number of things with any with that with, with that space. I can't imagine what they're going to do, but uh, what I imagine is going to be used for is um, like temporary um, exhibitions. Yes. You know, like the David Bowie one that came yeah. through, which is currently done. At, they're being held at Martin Gropius Bow. It makes me wonder what's going to happen at Martin Gropius Bow if, you know, all those exhibitions are now going to be coming to this building. It seems like it's just a complete unnecessary out anyway yeah i uh, the, the paper published a little ma- a floor plan of what's actually going to be in the schloss I, yeah. th- I thought this was funny on the ground floor you'll find the bistro du Col- de culturen uh, and also the restaurant de continent which to me sounds like um a food court you yeah know, like <laughs> well, like but that's classic that's not so- that's nothing <laughs> it's, new. What, it's what you get in like a suburban shopping malls in australia you go through and they've got <laughs> you the pick, bistro of pick up a tray and you go along you yeah, get your asian you get your italian that. they've always been doing that they did it in the they did it in the palace of the republic i'm sure they had their kind of novelty kegel barn they had a novelty bowling alley restaurant their kind of kazakhstani restaurant or whatever uh cafe moscow that place that's very rarely used out near schillingstrasse uh, you know that was subdivided into various little tiny restaurants, and each one uh, was a kind of a, 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 a microcosm of a Soviet satellite state or a Soviet place in the Soviet Union. So you'd have the you know your Ukrainian restaurant, your Siberian restaurant. Nothing wrong with that. It's been been done for years, Joel. Now that you put it in the context of GDR, I kind of like it more. Yeah. Well, if they did that, you yeah. know, a GDR themed restaurant, I'd be fine yeah, with that. Yeah, be a bit ironic. I know the, the GDR museum could re- rent out a bit of the building. They could recreate part of the Palace of the Republic in there. How freaky would that be? Here's another point. <laughs> well, that would throw people. <laughs> Here's another point this story makes. The city government says that it no longer use wants to use this space for its library. Now, can you remember just even a couple of months ago, the city government claiming that there was a desperate shortage of space for its libraries, yeah. and therefore we have to build on Temple Hall. Do you remember that? Anymore now. Do you remember how we were just our libraries were just bursting at the seams, and we just absolutely have to build on Temple Hall, otherwise we'll, all the books will I don't know tumble out the windows. Well, not only did we survive not building on Temple Hall, but we're also apparently surviving pulling out of a 5,000 square meter library at Central. All I'm saying is next time you hear the city government tell that we absolutely need a building project for something that sounds slightly unnecessary, go with your gut instinct. Take it with a pinch of salt. Yeah. Joel, we're internationals, as you like to call us, as opposed to expats. I do like to call us internationals. And did you know there are even more people, foreigners, as Germans like to call them, Moving to Berlin this year, have we seen a 40% increase in the population? No, 40%, that's rubbish. 40% increase. That's not a 40% increase. We've seen, I think, about uh, 40,000 uh, 40, 40, people. That's 40,000, not 40%. No, not 40% increase. That would be frightening. Then we'd have a housing shortage. That's <laughs> true. But about 40,000 people have moved here, and primarily, well, many of them have come from Poland or Italy. Uh, and they're all moving, and they're to moving to... Yeah, they're moving to lovely Vedding, where we're recording the show. Uh, and my old Keats, my old neighbourhood, the very unlovely Gesundbrunnen, or the Fountain of Health. Which apparently has the highest number of per foreigners per capita yes. in the city at 35%. Yep. 35% of the people who live in the Gesundbrunnen Keats are non-German. Which could mean, as you pointed out earlier, possibly actually just Turkish German, people who might be third generation, which I would consider German. Who don't qualify but for they a don't passport. Count as yeah. real Germans. That's still very high. Yeah, it is very high. So mm. if you want multiculti, move to... Uh, Move to Gesundbrunnen. Uh, well, that's what they're all doing. Yeah, it's ha- also very cheap. It is still. It, I, I have noticed 
the uh, increase in population in the last few years. I don't know if you, but but the the streets do feel fuller. Really? No, it's kind of feeling like there is, you know, an X what number life? percent extra people <laughs> on the streets. As opposed to none whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, some of the people are moving here are not legally allowed to move here. These people, of course, are refugees and asylum seekers. They come to Europe in their hundreds of thousands. Over 100,000 refugees crossed the uh, Mediterranean in the past year. And they come to Germany and many other um, European countries uh, and they seek asylum, um, seeking a better life. I saw um, a placard at a demonstration the other day which summed it up nicely my feeling about it, which is migration is not a crime. I've got to say, I find it hard to disagree with a statement like that, especially since I'm somebody who's taken advantage of migration to find a better life in other places. And my situation is far less desperate than most of these people. But they come to Berlin and, um, of course, uh, as we know in the past couple of months, they get told that they can't be here. We've had these demonstrations in the Iranianplatz and in uh, occupied schools where um, asylum seekers are protesting um, the order for them to leave the city and go back to the s- small rural uh, places where they first registered as refugees. That's what the um, the protests have been about in Berlin in the past few months. Um, we had this standoff in Iranianplatz with um, with a little a little camp being built there. The city government. Um, skillfully negotiated those refugees out of that camp by promising them th- that they wouldn't be deported, that they could have their, their case heard and they could stay in Berlin. Well, it turns out that the city government tricked them. 108 of the 550 refugees from Iranianplatz um, have recently been told that they'll have to leave Berlin, that they're going to be evicted anyway, even after being told that they wouldn't. So it's a bit of a, um, it's a little bit of nasty trickery that the city government's used, and they're passing the blame between different government departments. Um, this doesn't really do much um, for uh, this. This is only relating to the people who had previously come to Germany, gone to a small town or somewhere outside of Berlin, registered, and then come to Berlin wanting to live and work here. Those people have been told, no, you've got to go back to the little town where you started from. So, of course, as a result of this, um, all the new people who um, are arriving have, have figured this out and they're coming directly to Berlin which uh, and registering here so they can stay here. And the city's seen something like a thousand new refugees in the past month arrive. Um, uh, claiming asylum and and wanting to uh, to have the right to work, to take language classes and be part of society and become productive members of society. Um, wouldn't be the worst thing, would it, given the number of empty places there are around Brandenburg? No, uh, there's quite a surplus of empty places in Brandenburg. Uh, yeah, while the city has now got a very big housing shortage, uh, the number of f- empty flats in, in Brandenburg is just kind of rocketing. Um, has incrementally increased uh, since uh, well the fall of the wall. Um, Basically, uh, it's a big was a problem. Uh, They're actually pulling down um, more buildings than ever. These are old East German tower blocks because apparently they can't find enough people to live in them, uh, and because people don't want to live in former East German tower blocks, and people don't live. There's basically been a decrease in population. Um, in a lot of many towns in Brandenburg s- over the last 25 years since the fall of the war because there's no work in these places. A lot of these places were built up around industry in East Germany. Once the industry is shut down, uh, you know, off goes the population, half the population. Uh, and so what you have as a result is lots of empty tower blocks. Now, many of these places have been torn down over the last few years. Cottbus, Frankfurt Oder, which is on the Polish border, Eisenhüttenstadt, Schwedt Oder, all these sort of places have been kind of reduced by about a third in terms of, uh, well, their, their number of East German tower blocks. Um, and it's con- continuing. Um, they're saying over the next, uh, I think it's going to continue um, uh, by 2020, um, 
over another hundred thousand um, could basically be being pulled down. That sounds like a good art project to go out and document these sort of cities yes. that are not just emptying but are actually being demolished. Yeah, they're yeah. actually pulling the cities down yeah. slowly on the edges. Yeah, and they're saying that a lot of things, places like Schwedt Order would look really different had they not pulled all this stuff down. But what's happening a lot is many of these places being pulled down, and they're then building. So they might. Uh, pull down 50,000 and then in their place they'll build 20,000 Neubau they call them uh, which are better equipped to house people and basically there's a lot of snobbery still in the east young families don't want to live in old east German tower blocks because they're seen as unreliable it's the associations with the past the decrepit whatever but actually I have to say many of these things are quite well built they're uh, well built they're, 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 I, I was talking to an architect who mentioned that, that, that these things were intended well th th theoretically only meant to stand for 20 or 30 or 40 years but they they've been standing for much longer than that yep. already and they're going to stand for another 20 or 30 yes. in some places yeah um, they're also full of asbestos aren't they uh, well not all of them but i think quite a lot of them are i mean that's one of the risks is that many of them have to be renovated or zaniert as they say in german and that's in itself very expensive and so if they're sold off to property investors they then have to spend that money doing it and it's whether it's worthwhile for them to do that Meanwhile, I was in Leipzig again for another little visit. My guide there told me that apparently one third of the buildings in Leipzig are empty. Wow. Yeah. Uh, which and is I thought Leipzig was the latest hot place where they're telling the Berliners to kind of stay away and yep. it's going to gentrify and the prices are going crazy. But one third of the buildings. There's still, still plenty of room down there. Well, folk, you know where to go. Radio Spätkauf. Radio Spätkauf. Radio Spätkauf. Bing, bang, boom. Listening to Radio Spätkauf, the Berlin podcast. That was Jako Aino Kalevi, a Finnish musician who's often in Berlin doing gigs. He played a couple of weeks ago at the reopening of Sameheads down in Neukölln, and you'll see his name on plenty of posters to come. Maisie. Joel. Time for a crime report. Ooh. I love a good crime report. I'm, a, I'm an old school newspaper journalist. Really? I used to do the police rounds. Did you? I did. Staying up late, listening to scanners, calling cops, asking what's going on. People going, help me, help, please. No, it was just oh. cops saying on board, oh. happy you call, I've got nothing to do. Oh. It was boring Brisbane and Queensland. It's nothing, oh. like, nothing like Berlin where a cyclist has stabbed a driver. Don't sound so enthusiastic about it, Joel. I'm just trying to you know, get the energy up. So a few weeks ago on Radio Spätkauf, we told you how a, s a driver bashed a cyclist in Mitte, yeah. got out and hit him over the head. Which is not very nice. In a rented car, which wasn't very smart because it's quite trackable. Um, well, this time, <laughs> a cyclist has done the opposite. In Friedenau, there was a car bike accident, and the rider pulled out a knife, and uh, st first he stabbed the front tire of the car. That was pretty clever. The driver didn't like that. He got out, and the there was a, a tussle, and then the driver got stabbed in the back by oh, the cyclist. Sounds like one angry cyclist. Yeah. What was he doing carrying a knife on him? Just, just for such a moment Psycho as this. Psycho-cyclist, like zombie cyclist. <laughs> he couldn't, he's been waiting for this moment forever. So the, the rider escaped and the driver uh, went to hospital. Oh, poor chap. Yeah. Uh, more crime news. Um, a dealer from Hasenheide has been given three years in jail. Oh, dear. I thought this one was, I mean, it's not really big news, but it's interesting because um, if you've ever wondered what happens to those chaps. I do wonder, If they yeah. get caught. Yeah. This, this is what happens. 
uh, they go to they go to court and they get uh, prosecuted and they get three years in jail. So this guy had one kilo of marijuana, which yeah. he had hidden in a tree. He had something like 250 uh, bags on him. Oh, wow. Uh, when the police did a raid through Hazenheide, as they do often. He had 250 bags of, of, of marijuana, of weed, on him. Well, it wasn't clear whether... Where the was he storing? He must have looked like the Michelin man. I mean, <laughs> how do you carry around 250 bags of weed? They, 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 they hide them in the trees. Well, all over the place, yeah. like hide and seek. Do you really? When you, when you buy it, do you go, <laughs> go to that tree over there and have, have you hunting for it is part of the fun. Have you not walked through Hasn't Hide and seen everyone darting in and out of the trees? I have. I didn't know that. Do they like have little ball holes? They like yeah, no, no, you're laughing. That's, that's exactly what they do. <laughs> but it yeah. says, he said he's caught with 250 bags on him. Well, he had 250. Uh, well, this is, a, I'm not, I'm not sure. In an, an empty tree, in a tree trunk. I'm not sure how they proved that he owned the weed that was in the tree, actually. But I guess that came out in court. Exactly. So the police uh, also found another three kilograms <laughs> on him at home. Sorry, John, it sounds like something very It sounds like sort of like Sorry. Oh, but get a grip. Yeah, it does sound like something from a fairy tale, I must say. So, so he had a hundred. Uh, he had one uh, kilogram on him, uh, and they found another three kilograms at home. And uh, yeah, so if, just in case you're wondering what those gentlemen risk when they're in the parks, wow. three years in jail. And the person who sold it to him probably didn't get touched by anything. No, he probably didn't get caught. And the person who bought it off him probably didn't get no. caught either, because it's legal to uh, to have it. In small amounts. Well, yeah. it's not. It's not legal. It's not. It's not illegal to have small amounts of marijuana. Yeah. But it seems like a, the, the, the punishment scale goes up quite quickly from, you know, being pretty much legal to have a small bag yeah. to being three years in jail for having a kilo. Yeah. But there's a big difference between a small bag and a kilo. Any case, um, Maisie, what about this one? Yeah, a prisoner has escaped from the zoo. Um, a prisoner... So, yeah, 36... That does sound funnier than it is. It does. Why was the prisoner in the zoo? Yeah. Well... They're not keeping prisoners in the zoo. Right. The 36-year-old prisoner, he was out on a social reintegration program visiting the zoo yeah. when he escaped from his handler. Now handler, Joel? I didn't know people had handlers. Well, like prisoners. prisoners, do they have handlers? I thought, I thought lions and tigers <laughs> had handlers. They've got tamers. Okay. But isn't a handler someone who has like a dog or something? Or a prisoner when they take them on social reintegration programs. Okay, maybe this prisoner took social reintegration a little bit too far and he jumped out at the aquarium and he took off and he wasn't seen um, for quite a while. He was properly integrated. He was very <laughs> integrated. Yeah. He, he can't. He, like he, that could be his argument. <laughs> yeah. When he gets, when he fronts uh, court again because but he... It, sorry, isn't that totally shooting yourself in the foot? Because it's like if he's social in, totally reintegrated, it, it implies that he's basically going to be released in a Pretty short time. Pretty much anytime soon. What yeah. kind of prisoner does something that stupid. Oh, I'll be let out in five months. I'll make a dash for it now. Well, I'll tell you, the same kind of prisoner who gets caught again a few weeks later in Berlin. Now, I'm I'm sorry. They, they, they're not well, he th might have been a Berliner. This so is the third prisoner. <laughs> this is the third prisoner in the past couple of months who's escaped from a jail somehow or other and has just not left the city. What is wrong yeah, with the criminals? Where are they supposed to go? They're anywhere family. else. You might have kids here. Go, go, go to the go to Spain. Go anywhere else. Just, just leave the city. Look, people, you don't, you're not trapped here. And this is a message for you, Berlin. Yes, yeah, true. <laughs> if if circumstance requires you to leave, it's it's not it's not you illegal. <laughs> it's allowed. We'll forgive you. Yeah. We'll welcome you back. But we maybe that's the kind of person who runs off when they're basically about to be released. Yeah. Well, can't can't yeah, say he's the smartest that kind man. Kind of mentality. Yeah. 
Yes, Joel, I see taxi prices going to increase. Yeah, in a bit of public transport news. Us being big taxi people. We don't take public transport, or take taxis very much, but um, if you do, the price is going to go up at the start of 2015 from 340 well, that's the Gun price, the, the the basic price, three three forty to three euros ninety, um, and the the taxi association is blaming the minimum wage for this. They're saying that they've got to in um, they've got to factor the new minimum wage, which starts next year at eight euros fifty an hour, yep. into the taxi costs. So, I guess this is the first of uh, many times we're going to see wage uh, prices going up and the minimum wage being blamed. Hopefully, of course, everybody's going to be paid a bit more and can actually afford to pay that slight increase in that yes. price and all the other prices that are going to come. Yeah. Some news if you travel by S-Bahn. Well, maybe not news, but explanation. On the, on August 28, there was a huge network shutdown for half a day. Um, and the reason was uh, that uh, there was a fire. Someone set fire to a bunch of cables on the S-Bahn network over in the east. Um, and this this caused the whole network to out. The same thing happened in May 2012. I do remember the same thing happening then. And then, as now, it's being blamed on the autonomous link Um I think it's it's funny that that even today um, there are still um, you know the sort of unnamed radicals who who uh, are willing to take you know do vandalism to make their point. But the, the autonomous link scene, what what does that even mean? Like the the the, the well, autonoma. It means like basically you're talking about the the anarchist. Uh, it's anarchists basically. Autonomes and anarchists. It's like Schwarz's block. It's the people who basically go around and if there's a Nazi, you know, Aufmarsch. If the Nazis decide to do a demonstration, the NPD, then the autonoma link scene will get a lot of people, and they usually cover up their faces, and they often might be people living in squats, and they're quite well organised and they're quite active. Anti, they're kind of anti-fascists, uh, but probably anti-authoritarian, anti—you know—anarchists. They're basically against the state, the concept of the state, because that opposes the idea of anarchism. Well, if you're against the state, not want really to undermine sh- it at every cost, well, at, every, at every opportunity. Uh, is is setting fire to some S-bahn cables really the most effective way you're going to do it? Not really, but you could say that to the IRA in in Britain in the 1980s. It's just disruption, and that can often be a good thing for people. Right. For, for people who want to make a point, they like to disrupt things. Fair enough. And they might have something they want to say, and that's why they're saying it. Maybe they just don't want to go to work and don't want to take the S-Bahn. <laughs> Maybe, have an excuse. Electric buses are coming to Berlin. There's a Brilliant. Bu- um, rechargeable buses, just like those rechargeable cars, are going to be installed on three different bu- bus lines in 2015. Fantastic. So they can only go a really short distance because I guess it takes a lot of power to power a whole bus. So they're only going to be put on some short uh, routes um, where they can be recharged at the end of each station. So those lines include the 204, which goes from Sudkreuz to the Zubahnhof. Okay. The 147, which goes from Hauptbahnhof to Ostbahnhof, which does strike me as a rather... It's quite a wrong, long route, actually. Well, it seems like an unnecessary route too. Isn't there a train going from Hauptbahnhof to Ostbahnhof? No, no, it is a good route. I used to take that bus. Defended. And yeah. then the 192, which goes somewhere over in Lichtenberg, but nobody needs to go to Lichtenberg except for our, of course, uh, good co-host, occasional co-host and p- tonight producer who you cannot see or hear, Andrew, Yeah. who's doing a great job uh, tonight of, of, of keeping stuff on track, or at least trying to with yeah. the both of us having a bit of a riot here on the microphone. So thank you very yeah. much, Andrew, for your good yeah, job cheers, tonight. Um, and he will, of course, want to remind us uh, to tell you that you should, of course, write into us via all of our channels, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, where else are we? Uh, so- uh, SoundCloud. Yeah. You've got to uh, give us a good rating on iTunes if you listen via iTunes. 
Um, and I want to repeat a call that we put out a few weeks ago, which was that we were looking for people who want to help out by doing interviews um, and bringing interesting stories to us and, and you know, having, having a voice on air because um, we'd love to have more people on the team. And uh, yeah. there's interesting stories out there in Berlin. We can't cover them all, but we will give you a digital recorder and show you how to use it and um, send you on out there to go and find some, some interesting stories about the city and bring them and broadcast them to the world as we like to do. Yeah. So, hey. Yeah. Come work for us. Well, work. Well, <laughs> join vol- in. Volunteer for us. It's it's good fun anyway. Yeah. So uh, it's been great bringing in the news of Berlin uh, once again. My name is Joel. Mine's still Maisie. And this has been Radio Spiegel. Radio Spiegel. Radio Spiegel. Radio Spiegel. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.